0: This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. How to rebuke the storms of life, but then he made this statement. This is what we'll talk about. You might want to write this down, but this is what he told me, and I've taught it ever since. He said, most importantly, this was his exact words, most importantly, teach them how to endure the storms of life. Teach them how to endure the storms of life. The first thing you do in an attack is take a thorn drop with your words. And then sometimes, sometimes when you speak the peace be still, it might be a while before the peace shows up. But you can't quit before it happens. You know, I think about back when I was a truck driver back in, started driving trucks back in the 60s and drove them into the a long time. <laughs> it had a lot of years. But I remember back in 1980, something happened in the trucking industry in America that deregulated it. If they deregulate it, trucking jobs just went wild. Companies companies were falling like flies all across America. My company had been in business since 1927. And so if just one company in America went out, it'd be easy for truck drivers to get jobs, but dozens of them went out, big, huge truck companies. And so it was a while between jobs sometimes because all the truck drivers wanted to work, had to, had to learn new trades, had to take pay cuts, and all kinds of things happened. And so when you got a family you're supporting and raising and all those kind of things, that sometimes that crisis lasts for a while. You get a broke-down car, and sometimes, man, you don't have money to fix the car for a while. You have to have faith to keep transportation going, uh, to keep lights on, to keep food in the bellies, all that kind of stuff. So my wife and I, back in the 80s, we learned how to endure crisis and keep on making it till we got what it took to get to where we needed to go. And so that that was a big crisis we had in life. Then, of course, my son, Pastor Dave, had leukemia. And we had to go through some times there, standing on God's word till that crisis passed. And so I'm just saying, for wherever you are, whatever you're doing, you do have authority, but also part of the fruit of the Spirit he gave you is called long suffering. Amen. That's Galatians 522. That God's given you the fruit of long suffering, and long suffering simply means you can suffer through a long thing, through a thing a long time without giving up and have joy while you're doing it too, because that's part of the fruit of the Spirit. And you know, sometimes I pronounce the word, long suffering because it takes a long time to get through it but the fact of the matter is if you know what to do from the word of God you'll win you know 2 Corinthians 2.14 says thanks, thanks be unto God which always causes us to triumph in Christ and the big key of that whole thing was in Christ he always calls you to triumph but the thing is you have to stay saved you can't, you can't backslide and go out there and the devil slap you around, steal your lunch, and then wonder where was God, where you walked away from him. Yeah. Amen. 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 The bully shows up. You better be walking with Jesus. I'm doing better preaching than you are shouting. Amen. 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 But most importantly, teach them how to endure the storms of life. Look at Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6. And you know, I, Sometimes uh, I think that uh, everyday Christians don't realize that pastors and preachers go through the same things you do. And one thing about it is that when we went through things, we got the victory, then God trusts us a little bit to tell you how to get it. You know, I think about what Dr. Barclay uh, talks about. He was a sniper in the Marines back during the Vietnam War. And, of course, he's a pastor now, but when he got out of the Marines... He said that he he actually taught sniper school then to other Marines and taught a lot of things like that. He said the thing is that when you're, when you're shooting, you need somebody that shoots better than you to look over your shoulder to tell you why you're missing the target. And so uh, he said even him, at his advanced uh, knowledge of how to handle weapons and everything like that, said he loved to go back himself after after a while and let somebody else watch him shoot to improve what he was doing. And tell him what he was doing wrong. And that's what we're talking about when you come to church. You're looking at people that are combat veterans in the spirit. People have been through some things, been through some wars and learned some things. And if if you do what we show you to do, you can start hitting more faith targets. Amen. And learn how to prove your game, if you will. But Hebrews chapter 6, verse 12. Actually, verse 11. We'll start there. <clears throat> and the Holy Spirit speaking to us gives Abraham his example. And here's what the Holy Spirit through Paul said. And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. In other words, you keep your confidences when you first prayed, even if you're waiting on God to answer that prayer two years later. Things start in the spirit, but there's resistance in the earth. You know, do you ever think about what Jesus prayed when he prayed the Lord's Prayer? He said, Father, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Well let me let me let me answer a question for you. With what he prayed right there, you know that Jesus already prayed right prayers. Have said, Father, I want your will to be done in earth as it is in heaven. I live on the earth. You live on the earth. Well why isn't the will of God done in your life how God wants it done, like it is in heaven? Because there's no resistance in heaven, there's no devil in heaven. There's nothing to stop things from happening in heaven. On earth we have resistance, two things. And I think they're both about equal, the devil and you. You get in the way. You give up. You quit. You compromise. You walk away. I'll tell you what, we got some seven-day wonders in the church here. What's what's a seven-day wonder? Well, back when I was in Teamsters years ago, had these guys wanting a job, man. they come in. It used to be if you... Got to work two weeks. They had to hire you by the contract. So we get these guys come in, work 7, eight, ten, fourteen 14 days looking good. And then, man, they got that last day where they says, you're an employee. You wonder where they went. They were wonders, man. They made you wonder. Well, same thing in church. You get people come in church. They get freshly blessed. They come into a church. Spirit of God blesses them. The Word of God changes them. They get a little bit of victory. And then you wonder where they went. Till the next time crisis comes, then you know where they went, they came back. But the thing is, to show the full, the full assurance and be diligent means you stay with the program. You know, you've ever heard the story of the tortoise and the hare? But of course we know that the rabbit, it thought it was so fast and so good, it didn't need to work hard. The tortoise just kept on plugging on, just kept on walking and walking and walking and walking and didn't stop the race to play around. And the rabbits out there playing around playing games, the next thing you know, here's the finish line. And the and the tortoise already made it because he didn't play games. Well, see, in Christians' lives, if we're going to be diligent Christians, that means we come to church if we feel good, if we feel bad. That means we read our Bible if we feel good, if we feel bad. That means we praise the Lord if things are going good or things are going bad. That means we just keep on being Christians and act like Christians, whether we feel like Christians or not. How many know that faith's not a feeling? Right. Amen. <laughs> faith is a spiritual condition of the heart and expresses itself in words and actions. But he said, show the same, say, say, same diligence to the full assurance to the end. But what's the end? That means when you get your answer. And then God will give you another faith project to pray for. But anyway, they be not slothful, don't be lazy, but followers, imitators of them. Now look at this. Who through faith and patience, faith and patience, faith moves mountains, but patience endures till the mountain falls. That's what the Lord told me. He said, he said, teach him how to endure faith and patience to receive the promises. For when God made promise to Abraham, because he swear by no greater, he swear by himself saying, surely blessing, I will bless thee. And multiply, I will multiply thee. And look at this. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. After he had patiently endured, after he had patiently endured, Abraham, how many know the story of Abraham and Sarah? That Abraham was an old man, 75 years old, and Sarah was about 10 years younger than him. She'd never been able to conceive her whole life. So at 65 years old, not only was she old, and wasn't capable of having a baby anymore, But when she was young, she couldn't have a baby because she didn't have things right inside her womb. And so when God told Abraham back in that story in Genesis that I'm going to give you a son, I mean, that was going to be a big miracle because his wife needed a double miracle. She needed to be able to have woman stuff working in an old body, plus stuff that never worked before to work. So God had to do two things there, plus Abraham at 75 years old. God had to have Abraham in condition too to make babies. So God told him that at 75 years old. And then finally, 25 years later, at 100, he had that baby. 25 years. Would you call that patiently enduring? How, how, how would you like it to see your great grandpa start saying, Be a grandpa, gonna have a baby? <laughs> and then, and then, and your, your, your great grandpa's 75 years old. And so, you're a young teenager, and you're not even married to having babies yet yourself. And so, then by the time that you're married, you have babies. And grandpa's still saying, me and grandma gonna have a baby. <laughs> and then your child, by then your child twenty five years later, then you got a child twenty five years old having babies. They said, look at that, that kooky old man been saying for twenty five years. He was an old woman gonna have a baby. And and, and I started to hear that as long as as long as I can remember grandpa's been saying that. I mean, can't you imagine Abraham's life with the young people around that saw them? Starting to grow up and have babies and stuff like that. So that old man's been saying that ever since I can remember. Well, guess what happened? After he patiently endured. After he patiently endured. After he patiently endured, he obtained the promise. What was the promise? God's spoken word to him was this. I'm going to bless you and Sarah with a baby. You guys are going to have a son. Has God ever spoken a promise to you? either from the Word of God or in your heart. Well, I know that Pastor Jass and I, uh, he put in our hearts to be pastors a long time before we were. We had to pass a lot of tests before we finally got to be preachers for Jesus. Went through a lot of tests, and then uh, out here in California, we seen this carpet stuff laid down, all these things happened. Man, we had to patiently endure a long time before things came to pass. And so that's what we want to talk to you about, that once you have spoken words out of your mouth, take authority over things that's trying to hold you back in life. If you're a quitter, you're never going to get it. Because God's not a phony. Bible says over and over again that God's not a man, who should lie. Hath he not spoken it, it shall not be good. And so when God puts things in your hearts, no matter what it is, it may be a job, may be family things, it may be a ministry God's put in your heart, he wants you to do. Whatever it is that God puts in your heart, one thing's for sure, if you quit, you're never going to see it. Amen. God God doesn't quit. Matter of fact, one of the longest faith stories of the Bible started in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. When Satan came into the Garden of Eden and deceived Adam and Eve They the, of the wrong tree and did eat the tree of life, then as soon as, as, soon as Satan came into the earth that God spoke to him and said, there's one coming, but the woman's seed is going to bruise your heel. And what that means is, there's going to be a woman bear a child's going to break your power with the human race. Had it took 4,000 years before Jesus came. Then when Jesus came on the earth, then Jesus broke the power of the devil over mankind. But God kept speaking that through prophets for years and years and years and years. And so we have to know as believers, we can't quit. We've got to endure. We've got to make it. Now, endure this faith and patience here. said through faith and patience. But patience and endurance means to stay the same all the time. To stay the same all the time. In other words, your faith life is not a roller coaster ride. Your faith life is not a yo-yo. You're not up and down and up and down and up and down. You know, uh, some, some Christians, you never know. You never know where they stand in life. You know, I know when I first got saved, there was a Christian on my job before I was a Christian that he was, he was an alkie. Sometimes, that he was a Christian sometimes. You never knew, you never knew where this guy stood. When I was a sinner on the job, me and the guys would be standing around doing what sinners do. How many know that sinners, the fruit of the, fruit of the Spirit for sinners is the fruit of their unsaved spirit doing what sinners do? They drink, they cuss, they fornicate, they smoke things they shouldn't smoke, etc., etc. This guy walk walking on the job, and we'd be smoking cigarettes, standing around there smoking cigarettes, telling dirty jokes he walk up there and read the riot act to us tells us we ought to be in church. And we're sinners. And then we wouldn't see him for two weeks because he's out on a drunk. He didn't have any credibility. He never knew where the guy stood. He was a yo-yo. Sometimes, sometimes, sometimes he was up walking with Jesus. Sometimes he was down playing with the devil. And in between time he wanted to preach to us. Nobody listened to him. It was just a joke. So we as Christians have to know if we're going to patiently endure we're going to be constant, consistent. That's what patience means. Constantly consistent, consistently constant. And the most constantly consistent man there ever was was Jesus. Now listen to this. Hebrews 13.8 says, Jesus Christ the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. And there's a lot of people in this church that applies to. I think about Mike. I think about Melinda. I think about Rob. I, I, I think about so many of you, I see your faces right now. And I know your life. You're consistent. You never know if your family's in a crisis or if they just came out of a crisis. You never know if all your bills are paid. You got plenty of money in your pocket, or if you're believing God for money to pay your bills because you're consistent. You walk in, say, you walk in, you know, and and say, say well, well, how how you doing, Aaliyah? Praise the Lord, Hallelujah. God is good. And then you come to find out, man, her family's going through something really horrific. You think, man, she's got the joy of the Lord. Look how happy that girl is, what she's going through. Next time you see her, say, Eilea, how you doing? Praise the Lord, all is good. And you find out that in the natural, all really is good this time. And that's the same with Mike. I think about some things Mike's been through over the years. Mike is a patiently enduring man. And that's what God's talking about here. If you're going to be a person that endures the storms of life, You're not one day up and one day down. You're shouting the victory, whether you see it or not. Because if you don't see it in here, first of all, you're never going to get it out here. And you have to see, you have to see through your faith glasses. What's faith glasses? That's seeing things through the eyes of God. See things through the eyes of God means to see things through the Word of God. When you put the Word of God in front of your eyes, it's just like, you know, you put sunglasses on to filter the sun. You put your, you put your faith glasses on walking by faith and not by sight. It filters the obstacles out. It gets things out of the way to where all you see is what the word of God says. Amen. Is this helping anybody? Amen. That's what you do. I want you to look at first John chapter five. First John chapter five, verse fourteen and fifteen. And how many know that in crisis, you should be praying. Not whining. Not begging. Not complaining. Not murmuring. Matter of fact, when you read First Corinthians chapter 10 at the children of Israel, he talks about how the murmurers got wiped out. Because God couldn't help them because they were murmurers. Numbers chapter, Numbers chapter 12 talks about the murmurers. They never made it because they murmured. Then God God finally told them, said, as you've spoken in my ears, so will I do unto you as says they fell. Oh, I don't want that to happen. First John five fourteen and fifteen, so prayer should be the first thing you want to be doing in Christ It says and this is the confidence that we have in him, in God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hear us. Well the other side of the coin would be this if we're not to ask according to the will. To his will, he's not hearing us. How do you know what the will of God is? The will of God is the word of God. If God says it in his word, if God says, above all things, I want you to prosper and be in health, then you're praying according to the will of God. If you're asking God to help you prosper and live in divine health. Amen. If, 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 if the will of God is for you to forgive and, and forgive so people forgive you and so God will forgive you, that's the word of God, then you can pray that for forgiveness to work in your family. Because that's the will of God. And so he says, if we ask anything, to His will he heareth us? And look at this. If we know that he hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have. 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 The petitions that we desire of him. I, I, I heard a statement a man made over 37 years ago. I read it in a book. And every time I get a new Bible, I write into my Bible, right by these two verses. He made this statement. Prayer should be God looking down to earth and seeing a mirror reflecting his word back up at him. Get that again. If God is listening when the word is prayed, if God looks down to see you praying, he ought to hear his word coming back up to him. I'll be reflecting the word. For example, you know, we teach tithers' rights here all the time in Malachi chapter 3 verses 8 through 12. God says, if you bring the tithe into the storehouse... I'll open the windows of heaven for you. said, I'll pour out my blessing on your life, but i be room enough to receive it, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. To me, that's one of the main things. I pray over things in my life in times of crisis. I say, Lord, I want to thank you that you've already told me because I'm a tither. I have certain rights. You said the windows of heaven are open on me. Just a side note. I don't like to pray of some preachers. When I pray at some preachers, I'll ever hear it is cried out, Oh God, open the windows, open the windows of heaven. Well bring your tithe in and they're open, stupid. <laughs> <laughs> and so when I get around whining preachers and they're praying, when they start talking about how unworthy they are, I can't agree. When I'm around preachers start praying like I stuck, preach like kind of I say, Lord he's talking about him, not talking about me. I do that. I really do that. I try to keep my mouth shut sometimes if, Pastor David came to the preachers me. It comes out louder in admit minute to you, They poke me. I say, shut up. They can hear you. But Second Corinthians 5.21 says, we're the righteousness of God in Christ. That doesn't make me unworthy. Now, my own righteousness is a filthy rags, Isaiah said. But I'm not coming on my righteousness. I'm coming on his. He gave me his righteous Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not unrighteous. The Holy Spirit is righteous. And I've got it. I'm a new creature in Christ. And so how are you going to have very much confidence in your prayer if you tell God how unworthy you are and what a worm you are? He wants you to come in the name of Jesus. When you come in the name of Jesus, God looks past your ugly face. <laughs> I've talked about your religious, spiritual face, not your pretty faces. No, because God does not want us to come in him like Jesus gave an example one time in Matthew chapter six. He said two people come to pray. A Pharisee, a religious person, and a sinner. And the Pharisee said, God, I'm just so good. Said, I give money to feed the poor. I help so many people. My family is really good family. God, I'm so good. And said, the sinner, come to God. He said, have mercy on me, God. I know I'm a sinner. Lord, I know I don't deserve anything. God, have mercy on me. And Jesus said, that guy prayed right. Amen. And so when we come to the Father... We say, Father, we know of our own selves. We don't deserve much of anything, but we're not coming in our righteousness. We're coming in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Lord, we're covered by His blood. He died for our sins. And Lord, I know without Him, I couldn't even get to heaven. I know without Him, I couldn't even breathe. I know without Him, my life is worthless. And so I'm saying when you're talking to the Lord in prayer, He doesn't like this old begging, whining, whining no count for nothing type prayers. He wants you to come to Him, say, Father, I come to You in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I recognize in the natural right now, there's a crisis in my family. I recognize right now that without Your help, we're financially going under. I recognize without Your help, I wouldn't be able to get a decent job. But Lord, I've come to You in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I've come to You because Jesus was my substitute. Jesus took my poverty. Jesus took my sickness. Jesus took all the alienation from all the people around him. Said they loved him, but they turned around and crucified him. Lord, I'm coming to you in the mighty name of Jesus. And God's looking down from heaven. First John five fourteen fifty 14, says, This is the confidence we have. We ask according to the word. We know he's hearing us. Amen. So when we're coming to him in the name of Jesus, in crisis, we better know some Bible. Amen. Amen. And so I want you to look at Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16. And I'm talking about how to endure the storms of life. The only way I know to have peace and joy in times of crisis is to fall in love with the Word of God. Is to build your life around the Word of God. Mark chapter 16, verse 20. This is, of course, part of the Great Commission. Jesus told us in his name, preach the gospel, lay hands on the sick, cast out devils, etc. But then it gets down to verse 20. and says these believers went forth and preached everywhere. Now look at this. The Lord working with them at confirming their good works. At confirming it at confirming because they were such great men. No, he says he's confirming the word with signs following. Confirming the word with signs following. And so I know in the church, I learned this years and years and years ago. If we have a lack in the church of the congregation, by that I mean, if people aren't getting what God wants them to get to be what God wants them to do, I'll start preaching on that subject. You know, it, whether it's holiness, whether it's becoming spirit-filled, Get a lot of lost people in. I'll be preaching about how to be born again because he confirms what you're preaching. If, if there's a lot of sickness coming through the church, like happens sometimes at, you know, wintertime seasons change, people start getting sick. I'll start teaching a series on healing. Why do I teach that? He confirms the word that you're speaking. He confirms the word that you're praying. He confirms the word that you're confessing. And so in your lives, in your lives, if you need something changed in a crisis you're facing, Jesus is not going to confirm your begging. You're complaining. You know, matter of fact, Jesus said this in Matthew chapter six, said, your father knows what you have need of even before you ask. And then he said, pray you therefore. So God knows what you need, but Jesus said you've got to ask. Amen. So if you want things changed in your life, you got to give Jesus some word to work with. He will confirm that means he'll cause it to come to pass in your life. What you're praying, you know, Mark eleven twenty-three, Jesus said you'll have whatsoever you sayeth. And then in verse twenty-four, he said, therefore whatsoever things you desire when you pray. And so you have what you say, and you have what you pray. Mark those verses down. If you don't know them, Mark 11, 23 and 24, he said you're supposed to say it and you're supposed to pray it. So you have what you say and you have what you pray. And so you've got to pray the word of God if you want to get God's attention. So I just want to say this again. Jesus told me the most important thing to teach the congregation was not how to rebuke it. He said you teach them how to rebuke it. He said teach them how to endure it. Because sometimes after you've spoken that word, matter of fact, in the book of Daniel, just a really good example, the book of Daniel. Uh, there's some things that God wanted him to pray to come to pass. And 21 days later, Daniel still fasted and praying. And an angel showed up and talked to Daniel. He said, the first time you prayed, God sent me to answer. But there was a war in the heavenlies. It took me 21 days to get here because of the battle in the spiritual realm. And so in our lives, because of things called the spiritual realm, we got to know that as soon as we pray... The Word of God in the name of Jesus, things started moving. But there's obstacles in the Spirit out there to try to stop things from happening. And that's when you get done the praying, you got to turn it into the praising. Amen. You know, I've heard it said that uh, if, you, if you pray about the same thing five times, then you pray four times in unbelief. Well, what do you do then, Pastor, if you prayed and it didn't happen yet, and you're still waiting on it two minutes later? <laughs> or two months later, or two years later. I've quoted a lot of Bible tonight, but I I hope you're writing things down. Romans chapter 4, verse 20 in the Amplified Bible says that Abraham grew strong and was empowered by faith as he gave praise and glory to God. As he gave praise and glory to God. So what that means is this. Once you have set your faith target on a job, on a raise, on a healing, whatever it is you need, you pray the Word of God. And after that, when you think about it, instead of praying again, because He said He heard you, instead of praying again, you turn it into praising. You say, Father, I want to thank You in the name of Jesus. I ask You for healing in my body, Lord. And I want to thank You when I pray because we know healing is the will of God that You heard me. My confidence, according to 1 John 5, 14, is You heard me. And it said, if you you heard me. I know I have it. And so, Lord, I'm not going to ask you again because I'd be acting like you're dumb. And I know you're not dumb because I know you heard me. And so, Lord, I'm going to give you praise and glory. I'm going to give you praise and glory. That healing's working in me. I give you the praise, Father. I give you the glory that by Jesus' stripes I was healed. I want to thank you about it. And then the next day, you get up and no results. Still hurting. And uh, it might be like, well, this is your blood. It might look even worse than it did the other day before. Well, of course, that's your Jesus, I want to thank you. I want to give you praise and glory that your anointing is working in my body. I want to give you praise and glory, Jesus, that you heard me and, and your mighty power is working in my body and I'm getting better every day. And you know, you might be believing God for a job. He might have put in your heart about a certain job he has for you and you know, his spirit, more witness your spirit, that's your job. Claim it. Grab it. In the name of Jesus, that's yours. Well, there's things going on at that job there, you don't know about. There's people moving papers around to get your name up there. There's things happening. One time, one time years ago, I applied for a truck driving job in November of one year. And then I decided, no, I'm not going to do this. I was already preaching, but I needed to make some extra money because the hard times going on. And so anyway, I uh, backed off and I, I didn't take that job. And then, it was about, about almost a year later. I thought, man, I've got to to take this. Things are too tight. I've just got to to get this job. So I called that job back and they had a new boss there. And I told him my name. He said, are you the preacher? I said, yeah. He said, well, I just took this over a few months ago and said, I throw away all the applications, but yours, yours jumped off. I've been left laying on my desk waiting on you to call. (laughs) And so I'm telling you, there's things happen you don't know about. I mean, all I did is told that guy my name. He said, Are you the preacher? <laughs> and so you need, while you're patiently enduring, instead of being a whiner and a complainer, start thanking Him that His word's working that you prayed. Start thanking Him that Jesus is doing, doing things for you and you're a favorite. And I, I want to give you about maybe, maybe one more verse just to help you. Galatians 6 9, we'll close it here. Galatians 6 9. Is this helping anybody? Yeah. Amen. Amen. This is what you got to do. And you know, uh, Romans 8.31 says, If God be for you, who can be against you? And you got to get it settled in your heart. You've got to get it settled in your heart. that because you're a child of God, God's for you. He's not against you. You've got to get that established. He's for you. And there's so many other things I can say. I'm going to look at this one verse right here. But if the devil you get you into doubt that God wants you blessed, He's already stolen from you. And so you've got to get these words, like this verse we're ready to look at, in your heart and in your mouth. You gotta get this word in your heart, in your mouth, in your thinking. Ever the devil tries to rob you and tell you, oh, God don't really want you to have that. Or, you're too much of a sinner. Or, you blew it. you Whatever He says to you, you gotta say, no, no, if God's for me, who's against me? Amen. I'm not, I'm not perfect. The only one was was Jesus. And God's on my side. So anyway, Galatians chapter 6, verse 9 says, And let us not be weary in living like a sinner. Let us not be weary in uh, drinking and smoking marijuana and all the stuff we can do and then think we're going to be able to be in the perfect will of God. Let us not be weary in fornicating. I'm just taught to tell you how some Christians do live, and then they wonder why things aren't working. He said, let it not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Faint not means to give up, to quit. That's the opposite of enduring. And so, based upon this verse here, make the quality decision to never grow bitter or quit serving God. Don't grow bitter at God. God is not your enemy. The devil is. He says, don't grow weary of well-doing. Keep on serving God. Keep on praising God. Always look for ways to be a blessing. No matter how much life stinks. Amen. Always look for a way. He said well-doing. Look for a way to be a blessing. No matter how bad life looks right now. Because God said, God said, if you won't turn your back on him, keep on doing well. He said, at due season you're going to reap. That means, that means, now listen to this. The preacher told me this year is going to help me through a tough time. He said, you know what, Pastor Samples? God would not put due season in the Bible if there wasn't a due season in your life. Amen. I wish the tomato plants out here to learn that. My wife this year wanted to start early, so back in about late January, she bought me this. I, I gave up on them. But anyway, long story short, she bought me one tomato plant out the store back in late January, early February. I said plant it, so I planted it. And got three or four tomatoes sometime back in the springtime. Just for the fun of it night. it's still out there. I got drips, the drip back there. But about a look at it? They've got about a dozen tomatoes on it now. In this cold weather, finally got down to where their due season was here. Took a long time, so I have to get them now before the temperature drops. Anyway, I'm just what I'm saying is this there's a due season in the natural world when things work. In your life, God said there's a due season. And so you can pray that to God then for first John five fourteen. Pray that word back up to him. Say, Lord, I want to thank you. You said a due season I reap if I faint not. Lord, I'm not fainting. I'm gonna go to church. I'm gonna do good. I'm gonna be a blessing. I'm gonna help people, Lord. No matter what life looks like for me, I'm just going to keep on saying it's good because you you belong to me and I belong to you, Jesus. is good. And I want to thank you, Jesus, for due season. Man, if I was going through Christ right now, I'd be saying that all day long. Thank you, Lord, for due season. Thank you, Lord, for due season. Thank you, Lord, for due season. Amen. And you do that. You do that. And you will make it through whatever crisis you're facing every time because God is for you. He's not against you. Rebuke the storm. And then just don't quit. Keep on going. Amen, amen, amen. Let's stand up. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.